0: Welcome everyone to the score fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the score. And today's episode is presented by head and shoulders offense for great hair defense against flakes. The fantasy playoffs are here. Yeah. I know there's a few leagues that actually start the playoffs in week 13, like Scott fishbowl and stuff, but for most leagues it's weeks 14 to 16. So that means Today's preview show is more important than any of the preview shows we've done so far this year. And because of that, I am very glad to say we got another one of the top rankers joining me to break it all down for you. Nate Yonke, a pro football focus. He's a senior fantasy analyst and a software engineer over at PFF. He's been a regular in the top 10 at Fantasy Pros, battling it out with me on that accuracy leaderboard the last few years. So you should be following him on Twitter at pff underscore nate yankee nate welcome to the show man how you holding up down the stretch here this what's been a very crazy fantasy season
1: uh yeah i'm doing well it's been definitely crazy recently having games wednesday two on monday one on tuesday now we get another one on thursday but at least we get a break this wednesday
0: Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully we don't have any more games postponed and pushed back or anything like that. And I joked on the, the podcast, or might have been our live show last week, that I didn't mind that Wednesday game because it was actually my birthday last Wednesday. So oh, having nice. a football game on a Wednesday was very rare, and <laughs> I appreciated that one. I'll take it. It wasn't the best game, but yeah. still, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, let's dive right in here for the week 14 stuff. And we have to start with the Eagles quarterback room. Jalen Hurts gets named the starter, over Carson Wentz, and it kills me to see that because after Wentz still finished in the top 10 fantasy quarterbacks last year, despite all those injuries to all the players around him, I was pretty hopeful before the season. I thought he'd get a little luckier with the players staying healthy around him this year. I expected him to go out and have a pretty good year. Instead, I mean, he's just completely fallen apart, right? Even more injuries Mm -hmm. to the offense this season than last year, it seems. And now he looks like he needs a fresh start somewhere else. He just looks totally broken on the field. But we could talk about him and you know what might happen to Wentz. We could talk about that in the offseason. Right now, we gotta decide whether Hertz can be a fantasy option this week and even over the next couple weeks here in the fantasy playoffs. And there's good and bad, right? Because the good is his rushing ability. You know, you'd think the coaching staff would cater to that cater to his skills on the ground. They almost have to. I mean, I don't think he's the best passer. So let's hope that they build that offensive game plan this week around that rushing ability. And we know he taps into the Konami code, right? Friend of the show, Rich Rebar. He always he always compared it to that, the cheat code for those dual-threat quarterbacks. The bad news, though, this week is he has to face the Saints defense, and they've been just lights out in the second half of the year. They've only given up two touchdowns total to quarterbacks over their last four outings. And they haven't really had to face a rushing quarterback, at least a really good rushing quarterback this year. So that could make this a little more interesting. Do you think Hurts is worth consideration as a desperation start? I mean, we've seen these dual threat guys come in and just put up big numbers. I mean, Taysom Hill has done it. He's not the best passer either. He's done it and come in and basically been a fantasy starter over the last few weeks. Do you think Hurts has that
1: in him as well? Um, I'm definitely intrigued by him. I'm definitely picking him up if I have the opportunity. I'm not sure if I have the guts to start him this week, though. Um, He has looked pretty respectable on the small sample size in terms of things like fantasy points per drop back, better rushing ability than Wentz. Um, Part of his play last week is he did have a pretty high average depth of target that's going to have to come down. So I'm not sure if he'll do as big a number as passing as he did in the garbage time there. But um, I think he will definitely play better than Wince has been playing. I don't think you can play worse. Um, If anything, I think this gives a boost to some of the other players around him. Um, Now that they have both tight ends back, I'm intrigued by that to see if Ertz can play better than he's played at any point this season. Um, But I think after this week, if he plays even average quarterback play against the Saints defense going up against the Cardinals and Cowboys next week I could definitely see myself starting him in one of those matchups if Hurts looks anywhere close to what we think he can be this week
0: yeah and if he looks pretty good I mean that's basically the end of it for Carson Wentz this season and most fantasy managers have probably already dropped Wentz it's kind of an obvious drop at this time Mm -hmm. of the year with him but I think this week a lot of fantasy managers need to look at their rosters and make some tough decisions about the players who are going to help them advance in the fantasy postseason or the players who are just clogging up space on their bench. And it's not just about your team and your starting lineup. It could be about trying to block other teams, you know, teams you're going up against, trying to stop them from getting certain players that might be able to help them get past you. And I bring this up because I know you write an excellent column every week, five players to add, five players to cut, five players to sell high, and five to buy low. So I want to tap into the cut portion of that article. You don't have to give us all five. I know you don't want to give it all up. We can get people to go and read the article to get all the names. But are there a couple players that you feel comfortable dropping from your roster this week as you're gearing up for the fantasy playoffs?
1: Yeah, I think definitely with this week, um, if you're not going to start a player over these next three weeks, then it's probably not worth having him. So uh, Derek Carr was someone I noticed that quarterback. He has three straight matchups that I'm not excited about for the Raiders, facing the Colts, Chargers, and Dolphins. I don't think I'd be starting him in any of those three matchups unless you're starting two quarterbacks. So um, if you're not starting him anymore, you can drop him. Uh, Chase Edmonds is someone that I thought was interesting in that um, he's typically a flex play, but he's someone who has not very good matchups these future weeks, so if he's not in your starting lineup this week, then I would drop him since I wouldn't have him in your starting lineup these next, the following two weeks, if you don't have him this week. And then um, a third player that I've been holding on to and I've had hope for, Philip Lindsay. I was hopeful that at some point in the season he would overtake Melvin Gordon, become the starting player running back in Denver and still maybe only see about 60 percent of the playing time but still hopefully get over 50 percent at some point but Gordon's definitely looked better than Lindsay these past few weeks so I definitely don't see that happening at least in the next week or two so um, at this point I'm ready to give up on Lindsay.
0: Yeah, and the injuries all season have kind of hurt, Lindsey, because I Mm -hmm. like him as well. I'm with you there. But yeah, the injuries have kind of held him back. And we could talk about another running back here where injuries have held him back and nobody dropped him this season. They definitely held on to him, hoping that he was going to be able to get back into their lineups. And we had a lot of hope that he was going to be able to play in week 14, and he still might. But Christian McCaffrey, I was initially going to ask you whether you were just going to put him right back into the top two or top three fantasy backs in your rankings this week. But now we got word today that McCaffrey was limited in practice. It's not just the shoulder injury. He's got a new thigh injury that he tweaked last week while working out during the bye week. So maybe we got to be cautious about his return here. Now, I guess I'll just leave it open ended. How are you approaching CMC this week?
1: Oh uh, yeah, definitely just listening to the news and seeing what happens. Before I heard about this new injury, I was ready to put him back in the top three, just since there's not that many running backs who see the vast majority of snaps, and some of them that do this year. Um, aren't the best running backs in the league. So having someone who's both a high-quality back and high-volume back is definitely huge. And with the Panthers having the COVID concerns recently, I believe DJ Moore is reportedly tested positive. Uh, Curtis Samuel as a close contact. If the Panthers were going to be without some of their top weapons in this game, then they would be relying on McCaffrey even more. But now um it'll be wait and see, hear about the injury. Um, He may or may not play. If he does play, he could be limited. But um, the Broncos matchup that they're facing is a pretty neutral one for running backs. So I don't think I'm factoring that part in too much. But definitely wait and see who's playing, who's not playing, and go from there.
0: And we're recording this on, on Wednesday, but I was a little worried when Matt Rule was talking about other players that have missed games recently and are coming back to practice and suggested that they have a good shot to play. And he wouldn't go that far with McCaffrey. It was Mm -hmm. like a wait and see in, in his mind. So yeah, that's kind of worrisome. There could be another Mike Davis week. There's a lot of backfields that we could talk about though. I mean, it's left some people really thin just how weak running back has been. I looked at like last week, when you look at the running backs and where they finished and the point totals and half point PPR, like, it drops off so fast, so it's difficult right now to even try to, to start two quality options, You know, let alone if a guy like McCaffrey is not going to be able to come back. And I'll give you an example. I mean, for me, I had to spend up to get Ty Johnson in a deep dynasty league. It's 28-man rosters in that league. I'm going up against a bunch of other analysts. I've talked about that league on the show before, but with Frank Gore concussion protocol— I took a chance on him maybe missing this week, and we saw Johnson, albeit in a very good matchup, he really came through last week. 117 yards from scrimmage, a touchdown, 63% of the snaps. Now, Gore is back at practice on Wednesday in limited fashion, so it's possible we see him clear the protocol, get back out there this week, and if he does, then it's going to be very hard to put Ty Johnson out there in your lineup. Fortunately, I also have Mike Davis on that team, so maybe I'll be able to use Mike Davis instead, but... If Gore is out there, we're not going to go with Johnson. But do you see a path where Johnson could help fantasy managers advance in Week 14, even if it is a much less favorable spot against the Seahawks?
1: I think there's a chance, but it's definitely going to be a risky play. I think the Jets, it felt like all season long they've had great matchups for their running backs. But then it's always been hard to predict who's going to be out there. And how much they'll be out there, since even if Frank Gore doesn't play, Josh Adams playing in the backup role in this last game, he put up a lot of yards as well and was even more productive on a per-play basis. So it's even possible for a scenario where Gore doesn't play and then Adams is the one playing better than Johnson. So um, I could see it going anyway. Um, If Gore doesn't play, I'm probably putting Johnson as a decent flex option for the game, but... The matchup is a concern, or I think the matchup with the Seahawks is not too bad for running backs. I could see them doing well. The Jets' run game, regardless of who's been running, have been doing better in the last couple weeks compared to earlier in the season. So the matchup I'm not super concerned about, but I'm concerned who gets the carries and who gets the targets.
0: Yeah, as much as the Seahawks defense has played better recently, like last week, Wayne Gallman 135 yards on them. So it's not like he can't run on this team. And also Johnson saw a lot of pass catching work. So if they fell behind in this game, and once again, if Gore wasn't out there, we could see Johnson get used there quite a bit. But overall, I'm with you. Not really a desirable option, but a desperation flex. One I hope I don't have to use this week, but I might have to in that league. What about Devontae Booker? Josh Jacobs looks like... He's going to be out at least another week with that high ankle sprain. Should we give Booker another chance here? I mean, he was an injury replacement guy, not somebody that you were overly excited about, but another one of these guys that you knew was going to get volume. So a lot of people used him last week. Is it impossible to trust him though, after he put up just a completely pedestrian stat line in that game against the Jets?
1: I think I would trust him more than I'd trust anyone from the Jets that we were just talking about. I think last week it was a little concerning to see just how much the other backs were also seeing playing time but Booker was still seeing the vast majority of the carry of the carries and that'll remain true since the other backs for Raiders are clear receiving back so in any scenario I see Booker seeing the vast majority of carries unless Jacobs is ready to come back so to give Booker credit he was playing a Jets defense that has played better recently than they were earlier in the season early in the season they were giving up plenty of 100 yard games to running backs recently the defense has been a lot better so I don't blame Booker too much for that bad stat line last week I think he can have a better stat line this upcoming week and I think he will see plenty of carries so I would still trust Booker as a low-end running back to play high-end flex option play here.
0: All right. We have more running back injury situations that we got to cover, unfortunately. And this one really hurts. Antonio Gibson suffered the toe injury on Monday. Looks like he'll be out for week 14, maybe even longer. That leaves JD McKissick, who is a decent PPR play and really has been all year long. He's got a very low floor, but he's had a lot of good weeks. And then Peyton Barber is going to step in as an early down option, the likely goal line option. Any interest on your end from McKissick or Barber if, once again, if Antonio Gibson is sidelined against the 49ers, which we think is going to be the case?
1: I definitely am picking them up. First off, in the situation where Gibson misses multiple weeks, the matchups after this week are a lot better for Washington than this upcoming one against the 49ers. Um, I don't want to touch Peyton Barber in this matchup just with how well the 49ers have been against the run and Barber is not the most effective running back in the world so I don't want to be playing him but I think McKissick will be seeing his targets regardless and he should see more targets with Gibson out. I don't think he's that high of a stealing option but he's definitely a higher floor option and the 49ers have been pretty average about giving up yards to running backs this season so I'm not too concerned about McKissick in this matchup but definitely picking both of them up in case Gibson misses more weeks because I'm having them higher up in the rankings in weeks 15 and 16.
0: Yeah, McKissick could really, with all that passing down work that he gets, I mean, he could flirt with RB2 production, and then Barber just completely touchdown dependent. We saw it this week, right? If he gets that touchdown, then maybe he's a worthwhile play, but other than that, you're not going to have a very big game from him. Let's go to the other side of the field, though, for that one, because we could look at this 49ers backfield. I was pretty excited for Raheem Mostert to come back healthy for the fantasy playoffs, now it looks like maybe he's fallen into more of a committee than I expected because we saw him put up some pretty big games earlier in the season when he was healthy. Now this week, Mostert, Jeff Wilson, basically split touches, split snaps. I think it was pretty surprising for all of us. There was also a little sprinkling of Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon, but those guys really didn't get much work. It takes the shine off this backfield a little bit now, right? Because Mostert was averaging 16 touches per game in his previous five outings, the only other five outings That he played this year last week just 10 touches for him how are you approaching this backfield against washington
1: oh i definitely want to avoid it it's anytime you see four different running backs seeing snaps it's scary um i do think jarek mckinnon he saw a reduced role than what he's seen at any point in this season so i think um, if you haven't cut him you can cut him by now since he wasn't even playing most of the third down snaps Um, I am concerned, since I agree with you, I think Mostert was playing great early in the season and was excited for him to come back, excited for him for next year as well. But if anything, Wilson looked a little better than him this past week, so I don't see Wilson's touches going away anytime soon. And then my concern gets even greater considering Tevin Coleman. Um, He's just coming back from injury, so they could have been easing him back into action this past week with the four snaps he received. He could be getting an even larger chunk of the playing time this week, which will make it even harder for most and Wilson. And then this matchup against Washington, Washington's been great against running backs this year. So I want to avoid this as much as I can, but of course you'd much rather have one of these backs who's seeing 10 touches this game versus some other back who might only see five in a different matchup. All right.
0: One more backfield that I want to talk about the Falcons, they really struggled with the run this year. I mean, just to have any sort of consistency on the ground, now Todd Gurley appears to be fading, he's dealing with that arthritic knee, that leaves Ito Smith, Brian Hill, Edo's apparently cleared concussion protocol, I was a little worried, I think I talked on Monday show about the fact that he was in the concussion protocol and that he could miss, he's apparently already cleared it, so he should be good to go for Sunday, is there any value in this group at this point, or is this just a stay away for you?
1: Um, I am intrigued by Smith, especially since it looks like he'll be ready to play. I think the Falcons at this point of the season, it's pretty clear they're not going to make the playoffs, so they probably should be getting ready for next year. Um, Their salary cap situation isn't great, and both Gurley and Hill are free agents, and I wouldn't expect either of them to be back with the Falcons next year so I could see them giving Smith a larger role as these last few weeks go on because he's the one back that is under contract and they probably want to see what they have in Smith so they have a better idea of what they want to do in 2021 and beyond so that's why I think Smith I wouldn't be surprised if he sees half the touches in this game and half or more of the touches over the rest of the season. I agree
0: with you, but you're a braver man than me. I don't know that I really want to even touch anybody in that backfield. I mean, I've had Brian Hill on some of my teams this year, kind of hoping, and he really didn't get it done in that one game. And, yeah, now it just looks to me like this it's going to be a lost season for that backfield, and, yeah, I don't think Mm -hmm. Gurley has much left in the tank this season or probably not beyond either, which is sad to say at his age. We'll finish things off here with the question we ask everybody at the end of these weekly preview episodes – which players are being overlooked this week it can be a star that's getting disrespected it can be a player that's way off the radar and a deep play i'll let you go first who you got
1: um chase claypool is someone who i've seen a lot of people worried about this past week i've been posting the snap counts for plenty of interesting players throughout the season and claypool was had fewer snaps than james washington this past week which concerned a lot of people but those two players have been uh sharing snaps all season long um Claypool, I think, is just someone who didn't play as well this last week where Washington had that long touchdown catch, which led to the playing time. And what really intrigues me about this matchup against Buffalo is Claypool's been the deep target for Pittsburgh whenever they have had one. um, His average depth the target is the largest among the Steelers wide receivers. And not many teams try D-passes against the Bills, but they have given up the highest completion percentage on D-passes this season. In terms of our PFF grades, their team has one of the lowest grades against D-passes. So I think Claypool still has his pretty good floor of probably around 40 to 50 receiving yards, but I could also see him having a big play or two in this upcoming game.
0: And that's, that's good to hear because I was a little bit worried just with the way they were using that last game and James Washington getting a little more work and Claypool's role dropping off just a little bit. I mean, talent-wise, he's a guy that you're not letting go on your team. The guy looks phenomenal. looks like he could be a future wide receiver one in this league. But yeah, after last week's game, I was a little bit more worried and thought maybe he'd be on the bench for a bunch of my teams. But that gives me a little bit more hope. I'll throw one out there, and I'm surprised I'm even saying this, but Giovanni Bernard, he's only posted 50 total yards in one of his last three games, despite the fact that Joe Mixon's been out and Bernard has been the guy there. They've worked some other people in, but really he's been the lead back for a while now. Hasn't found the end zone during that month either, but he also had to face Pittsburgh, Washington, the Giants, and the Dolphins. for better better-than-average defenses, I think we could all agree. Now he gets the Cowboys. They're on a short week. They just gave up 215 yards from scrimmage to the Ravens running backs on Tuesday. So Bernard is in play as bad as that Bengals offense has looked. He is in play as an RB2 again, because there's no guarantees that Mixon is going to be back this week. In fact, we're not expecting him and there's no guarantees he's going to be back the rest of the season. So Bernard is a guy I think you could use him this week. You might be able to use Gio in the fantasy championship as well, because they got another good matchup going up against the Texans. I'm curious to see what the Bills do with their backfield this week after Hmm. Zach Moss had the fumbling issues on Monday, including that really brutal one that he dropped right at their goal line, led to a touchdown for the 49ers. And after that, Singletary just dominated touches in that game. And the matchup with the Steelers here this week It's not as scary for Buffalo's backfield because of all those injuries on that Steelers defense. Teams have been able to run on them a little bit more recently. So Singletary could be a flex option with some upside, a guy that maybe you weren't feeling great about playing before, but somebody I think you could lean on this week. And then Antonio Brown, it sounds odd putting Antonio Brown in this section because he's a guy that's just been so phenomenal for so many years. But I do think he'll go overlooked this week because he hasn't done that much since he got to Tampa. I know he got a lot of targets in a couple of those games, but he's coming off his worst outing of the season, just two catches for 11 yards. Prior to that, though, five targets in every game. And it was just three games, small sample size, but still, he had five targets in every game. And his playing time in that game where he only had the three targets most recently, it was still pretty high, 73% of the snaps in that game before the bye. And... With Chris Godwin getting the pins out of his finger this week, he's not going to be practicing much. They're hoping he can come back later in the week and play. Could be a bigger game for some of the other weapons in that offense, guys like A.B., guys like Gronk even as well. I really like the Bucs, and I've talked about it on the podcast here for a couple weeks now. Really like the Bucks set up for the fantasy playoffs. They get the Vikings this week, the Falcons, and the Lions in the fantasy championship. So Brady and company could help a few fantasy managers win fantasy titles over the next few weeks any thoughts
1: on those guys oh yeah i do think the bills running back situation is definitely intriguing um i don't think i'm giving up on zach moss yet just because they've been using those two backs pretty interchangeably regardless of the role with the one exception being at the goal line moss has basically been the goal line back anytime he's been healthy outside of i don't remember if singletary got many opportunities this past game when he was playing with moss being benched but I do think next week Moss probably gets those goal line carries back. So I'm a little concerned about Singletary with that. But outside of that, I definitely agree with you with definitely the Buccaneers situation. I think that offense will do fairly well with the matchups they have. And especially if Godwin doesn't play, I think Brown will see a higher target share and do just fine.
0: Well, on that note, that is all for today's show, Nate. You crushed it, man. I'm glad we were finally able to do this. Really appreciate you coming on. Anything that you're working on? Anything you want to mention before we sign off here?
1: Uh, yeah, one thing uh, PFF, we are already getting ready for the offseason. We just relaunched our mock draft tool. So if you want to play around with how the draft or the NFL draft, so pre- getting ready for the rookies for this 2021 season. Um, we definitely spend a lot of time making sure that it's a great experience using that tool. It's on the site right now, so feel free. Uh, go to PFF.com and you'll definitely see an advertisement for it once you land on the site.
0: Well, like I said earlier, make sure you're following Nate on Twitter at PFF underscore Nate Yonke, and checking out all his stuff over at Pro Football Focus. I'll be back with the live show Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern, so you can send in your questions Thursday night, Friday morning, try to answer as many as we can there, going over the latest injury news, going over some start-sit options, and then doing the Q&A at the end. But until then, big thanks again to Nate, big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Sid leave on
1: time, my baby, said leave on time, leave on time with me, I had